You're listening to the Sparrows and Wildflowers podcast. Stories of faith, love, life, loss, and eternity. Welcome to the 2015 Christmas special and our final episode for this year. Today, in place of an interview, we have three short monologues written and performed by Catherine Bradshaw. These monologues are extremely witty and hilariously funny. There's some great references in there as well. There's something that I think everyone of any belief or background who happens to be doing the Christmas season in the modern Western world can really relate to. But at the core of these are revelations of the biblical and spiritual meaning behind Christmas. I really hope you enjoy them. But before we do get into the monologues, I'd like to firstly say thanks to Tina Reynolds for this episode's photographic artwork. You can check out Tina's photography and work at tunified.com. That's the number two, N-I-F-I-E-D.com. I'd like to say a few more quick thank yous in just a moment. But firstly, a reminder to all the listeners, if you would like to chat about anything that you've heard in the podcasts, or if you have a suggestion for an interviewee, then please send me an email to rachel at victoryonemedia.com. That's R-A-C-H-E-L at victory, one is in O-N-E, media.com. So some quick thank yous. First to my husband, Chris, who designed the amazing font that we use in our imagery. Chris has also helped with recording equipment, techie stuff like stats, practice recordings, and being a sounding board for me. So thanks so much, Chris. You can find out more about Chris's work at victoryonemedia.com. Thanks to the very talented Nicola Gibb who painted the Sparrows and Wildflowers artwork. You can find out more about Nicola and purchase her work at www.nicolagibb.com. That's N-I-C-O-L-A-G-I-B-B. She's also having an exhibition of her artworks from the 22nd to the 27th of March next year at the Warringah Art Space in Sydney. Thank you to Joel Phillips, who does our voiceover. If you're interested in Joel's work, you can visit joelphillips.net. That's J-O-E-L-P-H-I-L-L-I-P-S.net. And thanks to all our guests this year. You've been absolutely wonderful. Lastly, I'd like to thank my immediate family and some really good friends of mine who've helped put me in contact with interviewees, who've listened and supported. Thank you also to everyone who has been tuning into the podcast and who shared it. This project has had an amazing start and I'm really excited about where it's going in 2016. We've got some exciting stuff lined up, so don't forget to tune in in the new year. So from me, Merry Christmas. May it be a safe, healthy, peaceful, happy and joyful one. And now here's the incredible Catherine Bradshaw performing three of her Christmas monologues. Epiphany and the Shopping Trolley Shopper exits Woolies with an overfull, structurally unsound shopping trolley, an engineering anomaly if ever there was one. This trolley and the architect of the car park have conspired together to ruin this woman's day. I can see that she is anxiously contemplating the steep descent to her car. Will she get there without the trolley careering into the BMW parked at the bottom of the perilous slope we call Top Ride Car Park? Woolies for lower prices. Because what you save on your toilet rolls, you can put towards the panel beating.
I watch this woman in anticipation. As she takes the keys out of her handbag, they are the scent of blood to the car parking sharks circling these concrete waters in search of the rarest of creatures, a parking spot at Christmas. I came in search of Christmas cards, simple ones with the message, peace on earth, goodwill to all men, but not it seems in the car park. Here it is the survival of the fittest. And I saw her first, because in the opposite direction I see him, Mr. Black Pajero, shiny hubcaps, and we begin our pursuit. Like synchronised swimmers without the smile, we round our respective corners simultaneously, facing each other headlight to headlight, ready for the fight of our lives. Like a gunfighter at the OK Corral, hand on his gun belt, I've got my hand on the indicator and I'm ready to flick. Mr. Pajero might have a big black shiny car, but I've got Lazarus, the 1998 silver Camry that just keeps rising from the dead and together we're the fastest indicators in the West. I raise my eyebrow like Clint Eastwood. There is no sign of the good here at the moment, just the bad, and things could get pretty ugly. My eyes looking into the steely eyes of my opponent. I'm waiting for the tumbleweed to drift across the car park in this tin spaghetti western. So intent are we at this brinkmanship that we failed to notice that the woman has now lost complete control of her trolley and its contents. An aerodynamic Christmas pudding has taken flight out of its green enviro bag and is hurtling into space. But still we don't move. This is a stakeout and we are taking no prisoners, let alone flying cake. We watch her wrestle with the trolley the way that Steve Irwin used to wrestle a croc. And when the trolley is finally pacified and the shopping contained in the sanctuary of the car boot, the woman tries in vain to get our attention. Waving her arms wildly and shaking her head, she mouths apologetically the words no desperate shopper wants to hear. I'm not going yet. All that for nothing. While opposite, an unobtrusive blue daewoo has just peacefully negotiated a parking spot with a white Holden Commodore. The meek shall inherit the earth, and so it seems, the parking spots. Mr Black Pajero drives past me snarling. The poor woman manoeuvres her shopping trolley back up Mount Everest. My kids in the back seat have digested the stress like a candy cane, but at the moment it is as brittle, but not as sweet. Didn't I want them to inherit a portion of my spirit? And what spirit have they inherited from me today? Mr Black Pajero has driven away my adversary. How will my face be remembered through the windscreen? What imprint of Christmas have I left on his heart? For a few moments we became sworn enemies over an insignificant piece of territory belonging to the God of Retail. Bethlehem seems such a long way from Top Ride and in the geography of the human soul it has been left off the map. A still, internal voice speaks into my darkness. Comfort. Yes, comfort. Though people may still live in a blackout, the light has already come. While we search for the meaning of life in the catalogues, long ago the answer was gift-wrapped in swaddling clothes and placed in a manger. While we cry that in Sydney this year there are not enough reindeers or decorations for the children to see, God himself walked the earth from a child to a man with outstretched hands saying, let the little children come to me. And though all of this may seem so far removed from him, he is anything but removed from us. For God so loved this place that he gave us a son. 
and the weight of what has been, what is and what is to come will always be upon his shoulders. And on this sloping piece of asphalt, the crooked has been made straight and the rough places made smooth. And so this is Christmas, Jesus, the highway to our God. Any resemblance to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. It was one of those days when every decent piece of clothing I owned was in the wash, including underpants. The only ones left in the drawer were emergency knickers, the kind your mother told you never to wear out in public in case you had an accident and they had to call a doctor who'd be appalled at the state of your underwear and pity you for being the victim of bad parenting. Bad parenting. It all came unstuck before breakfast when the Godzilla school of mothering won out over the Mother Teresa school of mothering. We'd run out of fruity bites. And the weeping, wailing and gnashing of teeth on the kitchen floor would have made Job look like a stand-up comedian. And now it's 5pm and we're out of nappies. Pile three kids into the car for an emergency trip to Franklin's. Dressed in an ensemble that would make inner-city feral look like Prada, I pray I will not be discovered. Scurrying across Macquarie Centre car park with children in tow, I look like a fugitive from justice. While looking furtively along the nappy aisle and musing as to the marketing reason for putting baby food on the shelves next to pet care, I spy him putting gourmet cat food into his trolley. An instant flashback momentarily blocks out the sight of my twin daughters rolling cans of my dog down the aisle, one scuttling dangerously towards the wheel of his trolley. No hope of a quick exit now. In milliseconds, his eyes will wander from trolley, wheel, to dog food, to my children, to me, me. Remembering 1984, formals that were a sea of turquoise taffeta, thin leather ties, straight leg black jeans, red converse, and you thought it was your idea. Coloured hair gel, leg warmers, and big hair. Someone working at Franklin's is an 80s tragic because our eyes meet just as Bonnie Tyler's total eclipse of the heart begins playing over the loudspeaker. Turn around, bright eyes, and I couldn't agree more. Turn around and run away. Just leave the children, they can fend for themselves because this is my worst nightmare. This is Mr. Fabulous, my ex-boyfriend from high school. His eyes begin to blink faster than a police speed camera. The congenial facade of vacuous pleasantries cannot hide the horror as his stare gravitates towards my left shoulder. It is then I notice it too. There's baby puke all over it. I am beyond humiliation. As I try to navigate my wounded pride toward a checkout laden with beauty magazines and gossip, telling me about all the celebrity mums who got their figures back three minutes after giving birth, Mr Fabulous breathes a sigh of relief that I'm the one that got away. I try to tell myself that it doesn't matter. And so I begin a process of re-evaluation. Is this where I imagined myself to be 20 years ago? A momentary flicker. A wavering flame reignites. No, of course it isn't. Instead, I have come to Mount Zion, to the heavenly Jerusalem, the city of God, to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names have been written in heaven. I have come to God, the judge of all men, to the spirits of righteous men made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. And even as I stand with my trolley in Franklin's feeling misrepresented, embarrassed, unsuccessful, my spirit tells me that I'm standing firm with God and that now I really live. 
and as my past walks out the door with his gourmet cat food, I look down into the faces of my children, now contentedly eating their way through a box of tiny teddies, and I see them as my arrows, pointing brilliantly into the future. They are sharpening me as iron sharpens iron. They are teaching me to be ambitious for the higher gifts. The girl of 20 years ago may have gone, but a child of the living God has taken her place. And everything I ever was, wanted to be, and am, has been reconciled and transformed by God's unfailing love. Martha and Mary go to Ikea, a modern reading of Luke 10, 38, with references to Revelation, Galatians and Isaiah. It's been said that the ancient world built civilizations and the modern world built shopping malls. Vast retail empires more detailed than the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, with underground parking stations more complex than the lost city of Atlantis, where human beings like wide-eyed hobbits join the fellowship of the shopping trolley on a mysterious and epic quest across concrete Middle-earth in search of the cars they know are parked somewhere on this level. But for Martha, there was no greater symbol of civilization at its height than the 21st century's very own Colossus of Rhodes, the largest of its kind in the Southern Hemisphere, the IKEA Superstore. For Martha, Rome could have been built in a day if it had come in a flat pack, and the Great Wall of China would never have taken 12 centuries to build if the Chinese had used an Allen key. And Alexander the Great could have conquered 34 countries of the world without violence or dysentery if he'd taken out an IKEA franchise. Martha loved the Swedish mind. The systems, the strategy, the design concepts, the order, the practicality. Where else could you redesign your kitchen, bathroom and bedroom? Buy ready-to-heat Swedish meatballs for your dinner while having a coffee? Put the children into playgroup and buy obscure European biscuits for $1 a pack? And this year, IKEA was putting out its very own brand of Christmas turkey, with no assembly required. Everything under one brand, under one roof. What efficiency, what economy, such organisation. But for Mary, her sister, it was different. In her mind, Sweden would be best remembered for giving the world ABBA and the Volvo. And the greatest achievement of the Roman Empire was surely the cappuccino. She had an Italian mind, as unstructured as a bowl of spaghetti, Thoughts, ideas, relationships, connecting and interconnecting, going in all sorts of different directions, but always in search of a destination. And somehow she had a knack of twirling onto the fork of her mind all these contrary strands into her own unique vision of the world. It drove Martha nuts. And their worlds often collided, particularly while shopping, particularly at Christmas. Mary knew she had ADHD, attention deficit around home decorating disorder, she watched helplessly on the sidelines as Martha and her shopping trolley took no prisoners. For every year, Martha launched into Ikea like a paratrooper into Normandy on D-Day. With the stealth of a minesweeper, she cleared aisles of available specials, sniffed out undetected bar bargains with the skill of a UN weapons inspector. It was shock and awe. It was too much for Mary. She'd retreat to the Ikea cafe for her $2 coffee, free refill and muffin, and write the family Christmas cards. Once upon a time, this would have created a problem. Martha, overworked, stressed and resentful, would accuse Mary of doing nothing to help. Mary, on the other hand, would refuse to take the blame for her sister's constant activity and perfectionism. Always distracted by the preparations and worried by all the little things, she felt that Martha had lost the ability to enjoy the very moment she had worked towards. But this Christmas, something had changed them. 
someone had changed them. It had been quite a year, their brother's sudden illness, his death and then the miracle. Lazarus called back from the grave by the voice of one man they called Lord. Martha had heard about him first and invited him into their home. So eager to be hospitable, she didn't see it at first. Mary did, and she listened. His voice the sound of rushing waters. And in it she heard the word made flesh, living and breathing. She saw in him salvation prepared in the sight of all the people. Light in the darkness and glory to a tarnished humanity. And in his presence the thoughts of all their hearts were revealed. He knew everything about them. But nothing about them could ever separate them from his love because he saw in them all he knew they could be and how in him they would be. And he looked at them with eyes not of this world but with compassion and understanding, the eyes of eternity. And then he asked them to look at each other through his eyes and not their own. He asked them to forgive each other, to love because he first loved them, to extend to others his grace for it is sufficient and will cover a multitude of wrongs. Then in the corner of their world, there could be peace on earth, a peace he has already established for us by being born in a stable on earth, the incarnate God. As they unloaded the trolley into the car, Mary marvelled at her competent sister who understood how things can be put together, her meticulous sister who loved to serve and loved to give. Her language of love was one without words but one of actions. She had unknowingly invited Jesus into their lives because she loved to do things for others. And Mary was thankful that the Christmas cards were written because words were not her strength. And Mary had such a way of listening to people and affirming others. She had a way of seeing the possible in everything, of calming the storm, of bringing joy. Her intuitive mind had first embraced the revelation. Jesus Christ, God with us, the reconciler of opposites, the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end the idea and the action, the king and the servant, the one who is and always was and always will be. So Martha left Ikea this year mindful that everything we could ever accomplish, even through Swedish ingenuity, he has already done for us. Sparrows and Wildflowers is brought to you by Victory One Media and hosted by Rachel Simpson with artwork by Nicola Gibb.